Hi there and welcome to another edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast which is made by fans for fans and where the content is free. It's another bonus preview pod for you this week guys, we're having a look at the Motherwell game this Sunday and we'll also have a look at some of the stuff that's happened this week, it's been a bit of a, a comical week in many uh, senses this week so we'll have a wee look at that as well. Uh, as I say to you every week, guys, it's not just the podcast that we do here at Jersnet. We have the forums, uh, there's match previews, uh, match reviews, social media, uh, there's a history archive on there. It's all independent and free content made by us for you. Uh, if you're new to the pod, we would ask you to subscribe. We've got over 4,000 subscribers now, so a big thanks to everyone who's subscribed so far. And if you haven't subscribed, please do. And put the word out there, let everyone know that we're here and what we're doing. Uh, the podcast is live tonight. It's a Friday night at 9 o'clock. But the, the, the show will be able to download or stream on a variety of platforms from tomorrow, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, Stitcher, Spotify, everywhere else that you get your podcasts, uh, guys. So time to bring in my guest. It's David Wren. He's sitting there. He had to move his clothes horse that was sitting in the background before we came on here. Uh, I won't tell you what was on it. It was a horrible pair of underwear, but we'll not talk about it. It's David Wren. How are you, David? Good, thanks. So Neville and Carragher back together again tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so it's Friday night. We always have a cheeky beer on a Friday. What you on? Um, well, I've just finished my, my blue moon there that I was telling blue you moon. about. The mango wheat version. And um, got a nice uh, red, white and blue Sam Adams there, uh, to mark the occasion. So, but no, I, I enjoy the Friday night ones a wee bit less. Um, I think I think the the Sunday's always business time, that. Yeah, as Friday night's a bit more late, but open call shops and all that. You know, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not even got. I'm not even wearing any trousers underneath this desk. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Sitting in the buff, nobody knows. I'm only kidding by the. Ah, I'm actually oh, Jesus, terrible thought. Man. Uh, as as a bad thought for a Friday night. Uh, so how's your week been? In, you've been on holiday this week, whereas I was back this week after the the Christmas break. It's been good. It's been good. Um, not done a lot. I've just been reading and. I say reading. It takes me about eight months to read a book, so I finished a book that I started reading in about a fortnight ago, which is a, a new record for me. So, I but it's been all right. I mean, as I, as I was saying to you off air, I, I don't mind you know weeks off in lockdown because I feel like you can get away with chilling out a bit more than you could, um, you know, when everything's open and everything's going on. So yeah, it's been good, but again, not another. Exciting week in Scottish football. Um, exciting. That's, that's, that's one way to describe it, David. Mm. Exciting and a bit farcical and comical in other senses. I think that's probably the best place to start, you know, is, is what's happened this week. So, you know, in the sort of chronological order, we had, uh, you know, Celtic and their Dubai trip when they came back. Uh, now, they, they obviously had to change the fixture we had from the Saturday to the, the Monday anyway. Then Celtic announced that they've got a, a positive case uh, with Julien. 13 players had to self-isolate, uh, a couple of uh, coaching staff as well. Then we had Lowell's kind of pathetic apology and, and then Celtic draw one each we have, which puts us 21 points clear. So a, a kind of comical, farcical start to the week. There's other stuff that will come on to, but we'll, we'll focus on the sort of Celtic Dubai and then them drawn on Monday night at the moment. Just a a farcical sort of situation. Aye, I mean, we we did the show on Sunday night, and it was actually ongoing as as we were um, we were on air, and Frankie was sort of updating us uh, in the background as to what was actually going on. So, 
Aye, I mean, <laughs> and then you yeah, actually reminded me there that you know it developed further on on Monday morning, but aye, I mean it it was pretty aye farcical is probably the right word. Um, I think I didn't expect thirteen players, you know, to to be out for them going into a, a game against one of the better teams in the league. Um, obviously, the manager uh, wouldn't have been there either. Um, but I think it's. It, it wasn't a good result for them again, but it was a strange one because I think most Rangers fans on Monday morning would have thought when they saw the figures of players that were out that, you know, I think there was a lot of people probably lumping, you know, money on Hibs at that point um, to win the game. And then when the South team came out, it wasn't quite as bad as, as we expected. So, um, but more drop points for them, you know, works in our favour. But yeah, it's been... I mean, I know we'll come on to a lot of the other stuff, but in terms of, you know, the wider picture of Scottish football, it's been a pretty shameful week, actually. Um, and it's made us look, you know, it's the first time in a wee while, I must admit that, well, I say a wee while, probably a couple of months, really. Uh, <laughs> first time I mean, since April. Aye, aye. <laughs> but it's been pretty embarrassing, you know, and it's worrying that the governing body have been, you know, responsible for a lot of it because... That just doesn't paint a very good picture. And I think you touched on the law thing. And I mean, as always, we don't want to dwell too much on Celtic on this, on this show. And I don't think, you know, we often. We, we can spend so, a lot of time if we're laughing at them, though, David. Yeah, you know what I mean? Uh, but that loyal interview was just oh, it's uh, crazy. I mean, I, to be fair, you know, I agree with a lot of what people are saying. He came out and apologised. And I think that was something nobody really expected the club to do, especially when you looked at the correspondence that come out. So, fair play for doing that but as I saw I mean see the thing is with a lot of these things you know I think Rangers fans as well sometimes you go into a bit of denial about these things I and mean, when we were at our worst with the statements and all that kind of stuff you would often find yourself defending not not so much myself but I know I know Rangers fans in general were, were defending some of the stuff that was coming out of the boardroom which was farcical um, you know just a, just a, before Gerard came really uh, and I've, but you know, at the moment, you're not seeing a lot of that from a lot of their fans, and it, I think that that tells its own story because they can't even defend what what the club are doing or saying. Um, and I think the biggest slap in the face for everyone in Scottish football was when he said that they were more affected by the pandemic than any other club. I mean, if, uh, I, I mentioned this on on Sunday night, and their PR has been top notch for however many years um, and for for that to get you know through the door as a line as the party line was incredible and I think it was a massive slap in the face not only to Celtic fans themselves and, and actually the the wider Scottish football you know community I suppose clubs like Falkirk Partick Thistle that have basically been shut down with in the notice they got, if we're, if we're to believe what Stenhouse Muir have said, which, you know, after hearing this chairman on Sports Inn tonight, I, I wouldn't, you know, believe him to be making things up. If if the clubs found out about that shutdown from a media release, then, Jesus, that is, that is horrendous. Um, so, yeah, for him to say that they're the most affected when they're the, you know, 
they, they shouldn't have been. Then I don't know if it was a, if, I don't know if it was an attempt to to control the narrative in some way. I get you know the siege mentality, but I think it fell flat. And I think it fell flat with every every fan of Scottish football. I, I mean, I've got a view on this. You know, I mean, Andy Walker was quite critical. Was it the game at the weekend? Uh, you know, he, 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 or was it the game on Monday night? He came out and absolutely, you know, went through Celtic. And, mm-hmm. you know, Celtic then released a, a statement saying, well, you know, we had permission to go and it was all good. Uh, and, you know, the, the COVID thing could have happened here anyway, so it's a problem. And then they've sort of came out and tried to, you know, the reaction to that hasn't been great, especially from their own supporters and, and Andy Walker in the media and a couple other sort of Celtic-minded uh, correspondents. And then they've come out in, in their, their sort of in-house channel with, with a pretty poor apology. As you say, Lowell's made that ridiculous comment about being you know, the, the worst affected club in the whole the whole pandemic. I have a th- My view on this is see if Celtic weren't 21 points behind, there wouldn't be an issue here because the, I don't think the Celtic support would, would be that bothered by what happened in Dubai. The main issue here is the fact that they're 21 points behind. That's that's the real issue. If, if this was last season and Celtic were four or five points at, uh, in, in front, I don't think any of this happens. I think the media lap up his apology. I don't think Andy Walker goes through Celtic the way he did on Monday night. You know, they can they can try and play it as, you know, I think Andy Walker tried to give it the, you know, when I played for Celtic, we weren't an arrogant club, you know, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. That's fair enough. Different times when he played. But I don't think he would have been singing from that hymn sheet if, if Celtic were ahead in the league race right now. And that's what makes it uh, a bit offensive to me because they're making it out like it's a public health issue. But it's not. The, the real issue that every Celtic supporter and every sort of Celtic correspondent is annoyed at is the fact that they went on a jolly when they were 21 behind, uh, sorry, 19 points behind at the time. That's what's pissed them off. And then the other stuff's just added to that. The stuff where, you know, we're the most afflicted club with us, I think that's a huge insult when you consider what's happened to Hearts, what's happened to Falkirk. I mean, Falkirk released a statement through the week, which I, I thought made a really good point that, you know, because they're, the, the money that's came in from, from the Scottish government, the bailout cash, it's it's not means tested in terms of how it's handed out. It's handed out in terms of what division you're in. So part-time Aloha, who are in the championship, got £500,000. Full-time Falkirk, who are in League One, Get 150,000 pounds, and that just shows you that the whole thing is wrong. And 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 the stuff that came out from the Stennis Muir chairman today, or the chief executive, that you know he tried to raise his hand on a few occasions at that meeting on Wednesday, and all their mics were muted, and they weren't allowed uh, to to make any comments at the meeting. Is it's worrying stuff? I think you know. I, I mean, Rangers were were mocked by a certain section. Uh, in the media and by other clubs as well, uh, I think Mr Bowie at Kilmarnock being prominent among them, that you know Rangers never offered anything and there was no need for an independent review into how the SPFL was, was, was running and that the governance in our game is fine. I think from April onwards, I think there's been ample evidence to suggest that things aren't great. I mean, when you consider the salary that Neil Doncaster's on and we don't even have a sponsor in the league, you know, and he keeps on saying, you know, it's a members' organisation. It's like, well, what exactly is what exactly is he giving us for his four hundred k a year? I think the thing for me as well, you know, when I worked in sport, which you know was for six years there, the amount of stories that I did over that period of how, you know, it was one of those ones you rolled you rolled it out quite a lot, 
an international break, so you didn't have a lot to fill the paper. But um, you know, it'd be things like you know the booze ban in the football league reconstruction, all this stuff. What what have we actually got over the past you know six years in terms of any improvements to Scottish football? The playoffs, which I think are completely unfair. You know, in the way that that's only, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that, that's the only change we've had to any of the league structure. Now, the league itself is boring, you know, and I think I think every league in the, in the country is boring. I think that's been the case for many, many years, you know, way before I started watching football, um, because you play the same teams constantly. So yeah. if you play, you know, for instance, Rangers will, are guaranteed to play obviously Celtic four times a year, Aberdeen four times a year, Hibs four times a year, Hearts when they're up normally four times a year, and then Kelly, you know, um, any other, yeah, another four times a year, and then you add in cup ties, which ultimately take that up. So, so the actual, you know, the, the league itself is just unfit for purpose, and that's been the case for many, many years. Dundee. You know, that farce in, in, in April with Dundee and the votes and all that stuff, their full thing was, right, well, we, we've we've um, voted this way. Our, our plan now is to get league, league reconstruction organised to make it easier for us to get promoted. So what came of that? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And the problem is, there's, there's no, as you say, no sponsor for the league. You know, um, no avenues to go down to improve the game here. Sometimes you think, you know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer, and I and I very much prefer watching Scottish football to English football, and um, nowadays. But no wonder they laugh at us, cause a pub league, because anyone, and I mean I, I don't agree with that, but when you look at the way we're governed and the way our league system and and and, and football up here is is carried out, it's, it's embarrassing. And that stuff today about these clubs, Stenhouse Muir, Stenhouse Muir, who. I, I don't know a lot about Stenhouse Muir, I must admit, but I, I would assume an honest club, you know, make money through all the usual ways. You know, you're a, you're a fan of Camelin, all that stuff, you know, scratch cards and, and half-time draws and just try to make end, ends meet. They've done nothing, you know, no one in the world's done anything to deserve this pandemic. Clubs like that shouldn't be being ignored at meetings that, that directly affect them. Um, I just can't get my head around it and it's really, really disappointing to see small clubs being treated like that. I just think, you know, as you said, Neil, Neil Doncaster, and I don't, it's difficult to blame him individually, like blame him directly, because it's obviously a board there who control the entire thing. So he's part of, you know, uh, a board that, that makes decisions on behalf of Scottish football. But for too long now, these decisions have just been not in the interest of Scottish football. Poor decisions that are costing us and cost the reputation of um, of the league. And this this week has just been another example of that. Uh, I mean, I think today as well, I mean, the, I think everybody knew what was coming with St Myrne and Kilmarnock on the COVID breaches after, you know, they, they got hammered earlier on in the season, three points taken off them and handed to their opposition. And I think the initial fine for St Mirren was, was £40,000. You know, Celtic, breach the COVID regulations when they're on this 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 jolly to Dubai. When they come back, there's you know, Ian Maxwell says there's no case to answer. 
So straight away, I, I think St Mirren and Kilmarnock must be thinking, well, how does that work? And then surprise, surprise, today those decisions are overturned and, and, and you know, they're told that there's, uh, there's there's no case to answer and that the games are going to be rescheduled. When and where, who knows, because, you know, we're already struggling. But I think that in itself shows the, the, the sort of the inconsistency and the almost amateur nature in which the, the, the game up here is governed. And, and recently we've had uh, the old, you know, you know, the further Rangers go in front, the more a sort of clamour from certain sections for like, you know, let's call the league now, null and void, let's 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 deal with it all. Now we had this conversation last year. Now someone that this podcast were for null and void, some were against it, some were happy just to, to wrap it up and, and hand out the prizes. I was one of the ones that called for null and void at the time because I don't think you can uh, I don't think you can declare a winner of a race if the race isn't complete. So I get the, the claims for that, but given that there was a precedent set last year, it seems slightly uh, contradictory at, at, at sort of best and, you know, mischief-making at worst that the same people that, that called for the league to be, you know, declared last year are now <laughs> calling for null and void. Yeah, I think I've, I've sort of been keeping a close eye on that this week. Um and I'll go into sort of the wider picture of that. But last night on Sports End, and when the, they were reading it, I was making dinner and when they were reading out the headlines, it was former Celtic player and uh, captain calls for um, you know a rethink as to whether the season should go on. And at that point, I was thinking, oh, Jesus, what have we got here? But it was actually Paul Lambert, who's obviously manager of, um, I think, Ipswich Town. Yeah, who had COVID, and he was talking about, and absolutely, you know, he was well within his rights, made a lot of good points. So it wasn't quite as bad as I thought it was going to be when they said former Celtic player and captain, because I thought it could be someone like Tom Boyd, who's obviously still got links to the club. I think yeah. he's an ambassador or something, but it wasn't. It was it was Lambert. And he made a lot of good points, but the problem with this Nolan Boyd chat is, you know the. I don't know, it feels like it's a difficult decision to make at the moment because we're still, as I said, I said this on, on the show on Sunday night, in terms of the testing and what we know about this virus, it's a lot further on than it was in March. Yeah, so yeah. we know a lot more about, you know, um, how it spreads. You know, we're, we've now got a vaccine. So in terms of suspending the season, I don't really see what that would, you know, I don't see what the three-week things gain from the... You know, I don't know if it's respite to work out what they're actually going to do um, with the lower leagues, but I think until Ian Maxwell said on, on Monday or Tuesday, there was no plans to look at the top flight or the championship. But there seems to be a narrative being built around that that there will be, and I know there was, there was articles in the papers this morning about Neil Doncaster not ruling it out, but really what he'd said was it'd be a bit of a disaster, but he couldn't rule anything out. And I, I get that point because... I don't think anyone can. Jason Leach was on, on I think, uh, BBC Scotland or something today, or Sky Sports, I think it was, and he was speaking about how unpredictable the virus is. So, you know, you can't really say anything, which is true. That's been the case for the last 12 months. Um, sorry, 10 months. So it, it's difficult, and it's, it's the same sort of thing as we had in March, you know, when, when you know you said yourself that you were behind the non-void cold, but... It's going to be the same arguments, but I don't think there should be any, you know, 
null and void um, chat in any sense because I think that the league has to be finished. I think Gerard was clever in what he said today. You know, um, he was he was backing the league being played to an end in April, and he's still doing that now. I think that's the case. I think even if they felt like they had to do a you know a break in fixtures, you've got to bring it back and we've got to finish the season. And by the way, this season ain't over. You know, we're no. we haven't won this league. Let's let's not get carried away. Um, you know, best case scenario for Celtic is we're twelve points in front, but you know, twelve points is four wins or four defeats. That's uh, that's the truth of the matter. And I think we've got to be aware of that. Um, and you know, just it's important that the, that the league is finished. It's important that all all of the leagues in Scotland are finished. And by the way, if it's not void, it, it doesn't. That does nothing for anyone, because you know, even if we resumed another season next season, that doesn't mean Celtic won. Will win the ten, or that we'll win. You know, you know, it, it, it doesn't really affect anything that because sorry, it doesn't affect in terms of you know anyone really benefiting from null and void because I think that just means that the 2020 21 season just goes down as, as a lost season. Yeah. Um, so I don't really see who would be benefiting from non void. I think we need to look at the way the English Premier League did it down south, who, um, you know, played the season to an end and then made I, I up think, the, lost, the lost time the following season. I think the Euros are playing a part. Sorry, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit more, it's a bit more difficult. So that's the point I was going to make. It's a bit difficult to find the, mm-hmm. the extra room in the summer this year because, because of the Euros. Uh, on the we've not won it yet. I, I think I think you're right to to, to say that. I, I think it's worth remembering that Celtic season unravelled quite quickly. You know, it, 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 although they've not been at the, their best form for for probably all of the season, the sort of disastrous form that's that's put them in this position has only been the last maybe two months. You know, so that's that's all it would take from us. You know, to if, if Celtic had a bit of form. And we lose a bit of form and go into a sort of similar p- period of, that Celtic went through earlier on in the season. Then you're right. You know, if they won their games in hands, it's back to 12 points. Uh, probably 13 when you take the goal uh, difference into consideration. But you know, 13 points at this stage in the season is, not, is you know the league's not won by any stretch of the imagination. So we're we're in a strong position, and I think we should. Uh, be very clear on that, you know, that the players and the management and the coaching staff are doing doing fantastically well, but it's not over. And I would prefer it that Steven Gerrard, he seems to be adopting that attitude and the players seem to be adopting that attitude that it isn't over. But I, I just feel that, that some of the supporters are just getting a wee bit complacent. I've seen a lot of cheerio 10 in a row stuff this week and I just think you're setting yourself up for a huge fall if you go down that road. So we're in a good position, but, you know, not over by any stretch. Uh, a wee bit of transfer speculation. I was a wee bit surprised at this, David. I think he was mentioned on Sunday night. Uh, I, I, I wasn't convinced we would go into the market uh, in January, but, but there's a lot of chat around uh, Scott Wright of Aberdeen. Uh, Gerard commented on it today at his press conference, and it seems that rather than waiting, I think the initial plan was, was to get him to sign a, a pre-contract and get him over in the summer, but it seems that moves have been made at the moment. Uh, you know, I think they're looking at... Uh, either a player going in another direction or a slight tinkering in Ross McCrory's deal when he moves permanently in the summer. So it looks like he might be coming in January. I've got to admit, he's a player I don't know a huge amount about. But I think you're quite keen on him. 
Yeah, I think he would fit in quite well to the way he plays. A, you know, um, skillful right-sided player, uh, as far as I know. And if I've got that wrong, then we look really stupid. But uh, I it's believe a that's show. Nobody cares. Aye, I believe that's what he is. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was a, I, I was fearful that that right-hand side of that front three was going to turn into like Walter Smith's left midfield scenario as the years under Gerrard went on um, in the sense that nobody ever actually fitted in there. So I think under Smith we played numerous people during that three-in-a-row period, Lee McCulloch at left midfield and stuff like that. <laughs> I was fearful that right-hand side of that front three was going to end up like that because, you know, it's either Roof, who I don't... I'm, I'm, not, I'm not convinced by, by Roof in that position. I, I prefer him sort of... I don't know. It's quite difficult to put your finger on actually what him and Morelos, how they work up, up there when they play together. But um, I think we could do with someone a bit more like Kent, who can play in the, the right-hand side of that front three. And I think he would fit the bill. I think he's a good, strong player in the in the top flight in Scotland, which to me is a market we should exploit because you know Celtic do it well or have done it well in the past. You look at the boy Turnbull, who you know, is their best player at the moment by a mile. Um, he came from Motherwell, and I think Alan Campbell's another one at Motherwell, who's a good player that we should maybe be looking at. I think it's a market we've not exploited enough uh, over the past few years, and I think the more players like, you know, young, hungry players like Scott Wright we bring in, um, you know, we'll build better for it. And the players that know the league, the players that can play against a Kilmarnock at Rugby Park and know exactly how to play, against them and I think that's I think the players we have brought in from the Premiership you know you look at Jones Greg Stewart um, haven't quite worked out but I think guys like Scott Wright and dare I say Lewis Ferguson for example um, I think would be better options for us in the transfer market and we would get better value out of them and potentially be able to you know sell them on for a profit in the future so yeah, I was quite pleased with that bit of business. I think, to be fair, our, our relations with clubs in Scotland seems to have improved. You know, obviously you've got McCrody going to Aberdeen, potentially uh, right coming to us. You've got Jamie Murphy on loan at, at Hibs, um, Stephen Kelly on loan at Ross County. So we seem to be building up a bit of a, a bit of a relationship with some of the clubs in Scotland, which is probably a good thing because you know we've spoke probably on here a few times about. The, the ability to, to go into the Scottish market because of the relationship historically we've had with clubs over the past 10 years. Um, so I think the more we can talk to clubs about players that interest us, um, the better. And I think that boy would, would fit into to our squad quite well. I, I must admit, I think you've, you've, you've hit on a good, a good point there with, uh, I think it's a bit of snobbery around, you know, signing players from other Scottish clubs. You know, some of the, the sort of comments about Lewis Ferguson. Are, I mean, any time I've seen him, I've, I've yet to be sort of wowed. But, you know, some of our best signings have come from sort of provincial clubs. You know, you think of Chris Boyd coming for Kilmarnock, Stephen A. Smith coming for Kilmarnock, Nacho Novo, Dundee. You know, that, that, that used to be a sort of traditional route. And it seems to be one uh, that, that supporters, it's one that's been lost. And, and I think because of that, supporters don't seem keen on doing it. And I think we look to, a lot of supporters look to further afield, you know, you know, foreign names and what have you. Whereas I think you're right, you, you can. I think Turnbull, as you, you pointed out, is going to be a great signing for Celtic. So, aye, as a market that we could we could do better, and I think obviously I, I know that you thought you might burn when you 
said his name, but when you look at UEFA Cup final team as well, Whitaker was was from Hibs. Yeah. Um, Kevin Thompson was from Hibs. Yeah. So we've done good business in the past, and I think you know Lewis Ferguson's won. I think he splits opinion. I don't know if it's that that surname that I think it is that yeah. that bothers people. And obviously, I don't mean. I certainly think it's a factor. I I don't mean that in the sense that people. Um, dislike him for the surname. I think. I think if anything, it endears people to him. But then I think they watch him and think, "Oh, he's nothing like Barry or, or Derek." But that's that's just a stupid way of looking at it because he. I think he would come in and do a really good job for us because he knows. Again, he knows the league. We need more players like that because the times when we drop points, not so much this season, but certainly in the the first two seasons under Gerard, or games we came off the back of European tie. We went to Fur Park and we went to Easter Road, and the players were sort of overwhelmed by the the pressing and the way that the physical nature of these games. But the guys that play in the Premiership, like Ferguson, like Alan Campbell, um, even Ryan Porteous, who's a, a player that I quite like aspects of his game, I think he could be better. I think he'd improve, but I think would potentially be a decent signing for us. Would guide us through these games, and they would then become routine. But that's not really been an issue this season, so thankfully that's the case. But I think it's always good to have a nucleus of local Scottish players that know the league and, and can um, compete uh, week to week because you need a squad to win titles and uh, I think these boys would, would add a lot to it. Right, uh, before we, we go on and sort of cover Sunday's game, David, I'll, I need to, to mention the rangers Pits game, uh, which is... We've got a partnership with them here at Jersnet. Uh, so it's the Rangers picks. It's a totally free pick game worth a thousand pound. It's powered by the, a company that's also involved in the stadium Wi-Fi and the, the new club app and what have you. The more fans that play, uh, the more money the club receives. Uh, to play, all you need to do, uh, if you go on to www.rangerspicks.com, uh, there was 12 questions last week, but I do believe that's been increased. Uh, and it's about the game on Sunday. So it'll ask you certain questions like how many corners we're going to get, uh, who do you think will score, all that kind of a thing. Uh, and it gives you a chance to win in £1,000. You must be over 18 to play. Uh, terms and conditions apply. And as always, guys, please play responsibly. Now, I do believe David Urgaffer, uh, Frankie, was a winner last week. I think he got second place. 20 quid or something, he says he got back. Uh, it's a lot for a man from Trinidad. <laughs> Uh, it, just, it, it does show you though that it's possible to win these things. Yes, no, that's it. And I, I think um, as a man who won thirty-five pounds on Monday night, having put Celtic one, Hibernian one on as a scorecast, and um, it's always worth uh, being in it because you, you have to be in it to win it. Um, it. And if anyone can actually decipher what the competition is from your fantastic advert there, then uh, because you were all over the place. Um, but no, if you go on Frankie's social media, you get all the actual details of it. Um, but no, I mean, fantastic. Any any opportunity to, to enter a competition like that, I think everyone should take it up. I think the fact that the club gets the money as well. You know, the more people that play, the more money the club receives, which is always good. See, uh, just, on, see just on that, Colin. Yeah. There was a fantastic, fantastic tweet this morning. I don't know if you saw it. And it was a guy, <laughs> it was from 2013, and it was uh, ideas to make the club money um, right. at Rangers, and some of this stuff was fantastic. <laughs> this was on, I think it was in, it was one of the one of the forums, and one of the the suggestions was um, 
brewing our own beer, which I thought wasn't bad, selling it on Rangers beer, selling blue cheese pizzas at halftime, uh, and then doing a, doing a race at halftime. So punters, so fans could go on, could go on the Ibrox pitch and All race, right. and then folk could bet on <laughs> Could bet on who they thought was going to be. <laughs> oh, it was fantastic. Um, uh, it was great, and I can't remember. I've, I've actually got my phone on me, but some of the stuff was fantastic. That's that's so proper man. That. And uh, the blue, but the blue cheese pizzas and the and the beer that I'd be up for that. I think, I think we well, should actually get in touch well, with Angels about that. Well, back in the days when they, they first started the sort of catering stuff, you used to get your uh. Jers Pecora and all that kind of thing, and Chris Woods Burgers and all that kind of stuff. It was all named around the club. Uh, I ready salted crisps, all that sort of stuff. You know what I mean? I, st- so, I still maintain that when you leave, I- see the burger vans outside Ibrooks. I'd take uh, I'd take those burgers over any burger in the world at times. <laughs> I just think they're, they're obviously not the best uh, for you, but they are just brilliant. After the game, they're starving, especially fresh Champions the, League game or something. Fresh out the tin, can he whack it? Oh, unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. Right, on to Sunday, uh, Stephen Gerrard at his press conference today he gave a wee injury update. So Ryan Jack is back in full training. Uh, eventually, it's taken longer than, than all of us sort of anticipated it would. Uh, Roof is expected to resume full training next week. Scott Arfield is still some bit away, but apparently he stepped up uh, his rehab. All positive stuff, but I think the Ryan Jack one's quite, that's quite key because I, I do feel sometimes in especially in the sort of tighter games, I've, I've always felt that Rangers have looked maybe a wee bit more vulnerable without him than they would with him there. I like Ryan Jack. I think he's a he's turned into a great signing for us, actually. He came at a really wild time uh, in our history over the past five years. But I think he's he's proved himself to be a top-class operator, and I think he's Gerald's boy. I think Gerald loves him. Um, so good to have him back. I think we've actually been a wee bit short in that area. And it's asking a lot of Kamara and, and Davis uh, to operate in that engine room, you know, and, and barely miss a game because we saw what happened when they missed the game at, at St Mirren. So yeah. um, it'll be good to have him back. It'll be good to have him back in contention. I think he is one of our most important players. Um, and yeah, the, it's good news. And hopefully Ruth will be back soon as well. But I mean, I'm hoping for more goals for, for Morelos this weekend. I thought he was magnificent last weekend um, he looked like he had a bit of a glint in his eye again he looked like he had a, a sharpness um, so I hope I hope by all means Manila scores another you know two or three goals this weekend and keeps Roof out of the team because um, I think it's great to see him back looking so fit and, and, and ready to go especially at this time of the season because normally well last season for instance I think he stopped scoring after Christmas so yeah um, yeah Roof, it'd be good to have him back in contention, but as long as Morelos keeps scoring, I think we'll be all right. Uh, new new manager, obviously, for Motherwell, uh, Graham Alexander came in. They've, they've got no wins. I was doing some stuff today. No wins in 11. Stephen Gerrard said today, you know, he's expecting a different challenge uh, than what he would get from, from a Stephen Robinson side. Uh, <sighs> Given the, the sort of five zero, sorry, the five five zero sort of setup they, they, they put up at Ibrox and, and how robust they were, Motherwell robust has been kind. Physical is probably a more accurate description. It, it will be interesting to see how different uh, they're going to play and, and and how they're going to set up for this game on Saturday. Yeah, I think you know Alexander's got a decent um, managerial record actually. 
Uh, he, you know, obviously gets sacked from Salford, but he had a you know forty eight percent win record there, um, and it's gone for a decent decent record as well. So he's not. I, I, I will admit I've just pulled the stats up right. I, I can see you pulling that up. Uh, I don't even top of my head. Uh, but, <laughs> but no, I'm just. No, I'll, I'll just admit that then. But looking at his stats, I mean Fleetwood had thirty nine percent win record, which isn't bad. More wins than losses. Scunthorpe more wins than losses, 53 wins, 30 losses. And Salford, um, 54 wins, 31 losses. So he, I, I think he's actually, he's better than I must admit, better than I, I assumed he was because I'd, um, when Lee Clark got the Kelly job, he interviewed for it and didn't get it, obviously. But clearly, decent pedigree as a manager, and I think he likes to play. Um, but... Yeah, it's it's quite difficult to to know what will be in for on Sunday, but I'm quite confident in the in the way we're playing at the moment and the way we've played this season. That I don't get too nervous about you know, touch wood. I don't get too nervous about these games. I just I'm content that we've prepared and we'll know what we have to do. I think that's that's the first season under Gerald. I felt that, especially going into games like this. Um, I, I mean. I, I, I watched, I watched a wee bit of the, their game last week uh, against St Mirren. That was Alexander's first game. Uh, they set up in a 4-3-3 uh, with Hasty, Tony Watt and uh, Cole as the front three. Now, obviously, Hasty, I'm assuming, is ineligible uh, because he'd be playing against his parent club. Uh, so part of me wonders if they, might, if they might go 4-4-2, if they might try and do the same sort of job that, that Celtic done on us in the first half at Ibrox. You know, go with a top two, Cole and Watt, uh, and and go before in the middle to try and stop, you know, Tavernier and Barisic getting forward. But I mean, from a Rangers point of view, given the injuries uh, and and the sort of the squad that he's got to pick from, you would imagine that the team that, that Gerard goes with on Sunday will probably be quite similar, if not identical, to to the team he went with last week. See, see how with Europe, um, when we'll play sides that are that are fit and. and Good, good sides. I would say bring it on with that. That the way Celtic played against us that, that game at Ibrox, because you know it was it was clear to see that that was really really difficult to keep up because pressing high up the pitch for any team is difficult um, and pressing so high. You know Celtic are basically on us as soon as we get the ball out from the goalkeeper. So that you can't do it. You can't keep that up. And you know I don't. I would I would doubt highly that Motherwell can keep it up. So if they lined up in that way, I think you would just. You know, try to play through it best you could in the first half. But second half, you know, you're going to get chances because teams just can't keep that press up. Um, but I don't know. I, I think they've got a good squad, and I think they've got a few bob as well. I think I think they spent a few a few quid on that squad. Obviously, signed Stephen Wallace as well, who is a player that I really like. Um, obviously, not one that that would be a level of a an Aberdeen or Angels, Celtic or, or or Hibs, but certainly a decent operator in the in the top flight. Scored a penalty against us. I believe he's a massive Rangers fan. I could be wrong, but I think he's, I think he, him and his family are big Rangers men um, and women. <laughs> so but he's signed. So he's a, he, he's he's tricky. I think he'll play on Sunday. Um, so I'm not sure they'll go for that same sort of diamond setup as Celtic. Because I would I would see him playing. Perhaps he'll play in the in the right in place of Hasty. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be a decent game. I think it'll be a difficult game. But we've already won there this season. Um, Comfortably, who was the score? We beat them five one. Five one, five one, and and their goal was an own goal from 
Edmondson. Jesus, I didn't realise he played for us this season. Yeah. Um, and that was the day Jones scored as well. Aye. Jones got his goal that day. What a day for the lads. The late for the lads. <laughs> what happened today too? Uh, Where are they now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also, um, the, I mean, the game at Ibrox was a bit different as well, you know, because we, we conceded quite early on. That was, most, was, that, was, that was the most excited I'd been after the game. That, and I'll tell I, you, I found that, that I found that game hard going. I must admit. But the reason the reason for that was that, and I say excited, but like satisfied because that was potentially season unraveling that game. Yeah. And then we just got there, and that delight, I was delighted with that. Um. So yeah, it's a pretty good game. I think we'll win uh, comfortably, but. It's difficult to really predict because, you know, when they've got a new manager who is bringing in different ideas to the one that's left, which I would assume he is, you know, in terms of style of play, because I think, to be fair to Stephen Robinson, I think when he came to Ibrox, that was just like, let's just try and keep them out. Let's just try and not let them uh, let them score. And I think he was struggling at that point. And, you know, it could have been a week or two after that that he resigned so yeah. um, I don't blame teams and I, I said that when we were on the podcast that weekend you can't blame teams for coming to Ibrox and sitting in because why Why should they come and try and play like Hamilton did and beat 8-0 yes. so but I don't know in their own patch I don't know if they'll play the same way uh, but I think of a decent game um, but hopefully my biggest hope going into the match is that Morales gets another another couple of, couple of goals yeah, he looked good last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, final final sort of comment on the night. Uh, 300th appearance for Stephen Davis. Uh, I would imagine he would. I mean, given the injuries that we have uh, in the middle of the park at the moment, you would imagine that he would, he would get a starting place on, on Sunday. So 300 appearances for Stephen Davis. I mean, I can remember going back a while ago on the pod when we were linked to him. And my opinion was that if we sign Stephen Davis, we're instantly signing the best midfielder. Uh, in the league and in, in, in the top flight in Scotland, it's hard to disagree with that. He's such a consistent performer, and I mean, I know there was the the, the sort of middle bit and the way he left the club in 2012 that, that kind of upset a lot of supporters. I'll be honest, that doesn't bother me. I, I think he's been a, a tremendous servant to the club, and uh, I mean, 300 appearances. I mean, we've obviously got Al McGregor in there now, who just got his 400th game. You know, guys like that. I mean, they're they come once every however many years, you know what I mean? It's 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 great to have players like that at the club and a, aye, a great servant. Yeah. Yeah, he was part of like the first team that, you know, I saw consistently winning, which was the sort of scene I remember. Obviously, I'd, I'd seen us win under McLeish. That was when I first started watching the club under the advocate and McLeish. But um, in my teen years, he was the one that was uh, one of the top operators there. Um and it's good to see him, you know, back and he's he's running the show uh, at Rangers and in the league, I think, which which is good. You know, there's a lot of talk about Tavernier being player of the season. Um, but I think Davis will be close. You know, if, if he keeps up this form to the end of the season, I think he's been magnificent. I thought against Celtic he was magnificent. I thought he was the best player in the park. That was maybe one of those where I, I, not everyone agreed with me, but I thought he was everywhere. 36 years old. He was fantastic. Is he 36? Have I got 36, that yeah. Um, yeah, he's been a magnificent servant to Rangers. And as you say, I don't actually think he was one of the ones that got a massive flack when he left. Um, nor was McGregor. So I think that's why when they came back, they were welcomed. 
with open arms. Uh, yeah, I mean, what a, what a career. Um, I remember when he left Rangers that first season when he was at Southampton and they played Man City at the Etihad. Yeah, I remember. He, he, scored, was, best he, uh, he, he was the best player in the park yeah. by a mile. Um, but, I, I mean, I, I, the thing, this this will sound like it. I, I, I just want to make clear that I love Walter Smith. But remember he still was playing the right-hand side? That drove yeah. me insane. Because he just—he was never a right midfielder. <laughs> and I think every Rangers fan wanted to see him in the middle of the park. And then eventually, I think in you know the last couple of seasons he played there. And I think, was what, it no because Mendes was there at the time as well? Uh, Mendes, we were, we were, we were just uh, we were quite blessed with midfielders yeah. at the time. So I think that's that was part of it. Barry Ferguson and Mendes were there at the uh, time. Kevin so. Thompson as well. Yeah. Uh, but what a player! And yes, yeah, it's, it's good. It's good to see him get. You know, he'll get a lot of plaudits. I think this weekend he'll get a lot of tributes. And, you know, Gerald's already done the gushing tribute in the papers today. So I would assume that's pretty, uh, pretty, a pretty good answer as to whether he'll start this weekend or not. But great seven. Him and McGregor have been fantastic. And hopefully they're the other ones that are closing with a trophy at the end of the season if we keep this, this form up. Quick question before we go, David. A wee, a wee uh, trivia question for you. He's, he's one cap away from equaling the the record from a British home nation's cap record. So 125 caps is a record. He's on 124. Uh, who's got 125? Who's he going to equal? Hmm. Home nations. Can't be anyone. Stop Scottish. looking at Wikipedia. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. It can't be anyone Scottish. He's English. English. Oh, I've got a few in my head. It's not Wayne Rooney, is it? No. Is it's it a goalkeeper. Like, a goalkeeper. Peter Shelton. Peter Shelton. You know, he'll, he'll equal his record. And I'm assuming that he'll, he'll go on to surpass it because uh, he he does. he's gonna he's, he's gonna gonna retire anytime soon. Uh, so yeah, when he gets his next cap, that'll be another big moment in his career. And he deserves it. You know, he has as you say, Stephen Gerrard's given him a lot of praise today. Uh, and I, I think he, he thoroughly deserves it. Uh, David, looking at the time, I think we've just about covered everything up and I, I noticed you've run out of your uh, Fancy beer there, so we'll call time there. Uh, so that's everyone from for tonight's show, guys. Thanks for joining us. A big thanks to David uh, and his contributions there. Remember, we'll be here on Sunday night for the uh, the, the flagship show, looking at the the game on against Motherwell on Sunday. It's myself, I'm hosting, uh, and Ross and David Fraser will be joining me. Uh, in the meantime, get yourself over to the Jersnet website and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. Uh, and until Sunday night, guys, stay safe and bye for now.